0: The gig part.
1: But We're too quick to drop off 3v1 That's been a problem That we actually stopped against Scotland Because me, Fahey, stepped in to stop Caroline
0: Weir Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now Football on Off The Ball
2: With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky
1: Sports It's Football Saturday Uh, Johnny Ward Sitting in for uh, John Duggan John Duggan is a man Of such uh, worth And stature in the game That he gets uh, Gets the good time off So he can Enjoy Leopardstown And kind of have a Have a good festive uh, Season Without uh, coming in here On New Year's Eve But being honest JD is just texting me Have a great show Johnny There's no place I'd rather be Than beside uh, Dan MacDonald uh, of the Irish Independent and Stewie Byrne uh, of former League of Ireland great, and obviously did you uh, say Dan first? Um, yeah, okay.
2: I like how you said you're a former League of Ireland great as well. Yeah. Like he was once a League of Ireland great, yeah. then you know better players retired and they I also think,
3: took over I think to that. I, I think I need a new title. Yeah, I need a new. Title.
1: Simon Cox is uh, going to be on the lines well, but I mean, you played against like you played against like Deportivo. You played with Joy Undo You played with Wes Hoolan, and you didn't look out of place. Did it not? Okay, I'll take that as a compliment. Sweeney was one of the good. One of the good ones? One of of the good midfielders. One of the very good midfielders of his generation in Ireland, and he played in one of the best teams that ever represented Ireland in Europe. He
2: did. No, as as we should redefine him as just League of Ireland great. League of Ireland great. Former League of Ireland great. You can't be like. (laughs) Dethroned from that status. <laughs> what did Probably JD call player? Like, what did JD fine? call that's
1: Graham Garton? Like a like, uh, uh, Graham Garton, like FAI Cup winner or something. He kind of just threw him under <laughs> the bus. Like um, Graham Garton, of course, retired this year. We're going to reflect on um, you know what happened in 2022. Look ahead to 2023. How are we feeling about Ireland? Um, not sure myself, um, but we also have a full uh, round of of Premier League games as well this weekend, um, and we'll reflect on the results uh, from last night and earlier. Manchester United winning uh, with Marcus Rashford uh, not starting because of some uh, disciplinary issue, but then coming on and uh, scoring twice. One of them disallowed, the other one allowed. Liverpool won last night, and what was it? Actually, watching that game last night, and uh, the, the the Liverpool um, performance was was bad but have you ever um I was trying to think like own goals have you ever been in a situation feist the uh the Belgian center back he got two own goals right in the space of seven minutes and there were one if, if one of them happened the second one you'd be like okay the first one was bizarre the two of them happened in seven minutes any uh similar experiences for yourself in your oh
3: God career? no my funny my, my son actually immediately showed me that um when it happened um I couldn't I couldn't believe it I just couldn't believe it um I mean, you can get bad players in the Premier League, but that's just... that's mm. just. I mean, any any defender in that situation... I'm talking about the one that comes off the bar and he goes to clear and he's he just, you know... Puts, I don't know whether that was the first one. That, that, that was the, second, the first
2: one. The, second, one, oh, oh. Oh, the first yeah. one is one he just, like, he skies the clear. It was an
3: unbelievable finish, if he meant
2: it. You know. <laughs> yeah, but the second one, he was eagerly racing back. Probably, like, <laughs> I suppose you can imagine, he's made a mistake or something, so, like, the next couple of minutes, you're, like, working really hard to, like, yeah. you know... Uh, just need to get this out of the system. So he's like sprinting back. The ball comes off the post, and he just can't get his body out of the way. It's, just like, oh, it's yeah. just like I mean, stepping, stepping on rakes, sort of, yeah. you know, side-, I'll, sort of I'll, side I'll give you
1: that first Simpson's yeah. reference of the day, and it wasn't by me. Simon Cox, how are you? I'm fine. How are you guys? I'm fine. Is that like six out of ten, seven out of ten, eight out of ten? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow!
4: I was uh, when I was watching it, I, I couldn't believe it. I uh, do you know what I felt really sorry for him yeah. as well? Because I mean going going into like being a manager as well, like what do you do with him? Um because it was like just coming up to half time and you're thinking, do you do you keep him on and and is there a potential chance he might he might get a hat trick of uh, own goals? Uh but his head might be all over the place. But then do you take him off and then you highlight the whole you know, the whole thing to everybody, even though it doesn't need highlighting. So, But I thought he actually came out second half and, and he did okay, do you know what I mean, uh, in comparison to what went on in the first half.
2: Didn't Johnny Walters do it at one stage for Stoke Yeah, a decade ago or so? And I suppose, like, I think he is sort of quite a mentally strong character. He was able to laugh and joke about it afterwards. Now I know he's a striker, maybe it's a bit different. It was just, I think he could see the funny side of the sort of absurdity of the situation he was in. But you probably just need that thick skin now, wouldn't you, like uh, Simon? Because I can imagine—I don't know if he's on social media. I presume he is. But like you know, he opens it up to probably a million messages of people slaughtering him and humiliating him, and sort of yeah. you know just making sort of jokes around him. And I'm sure his teammates would probably have a go at him within 24 hours or something too, just to, to lighten the mood or something. You know, see the
4: yeah, I hundred yeah, percent. I think like in Johnny's in Johnny's case what's he doing back there anyway he doesn't need to be back there like he's, he's probably causing more trouble being back there and uh and he should be but in regards to the lad last night it depends what type of character he is if he's quite a quiet character the last thing he'd probably want is like a jamie vardy or somebody shouting at him or or trying to make a joke of it he probably need to create his own way of thinking um towards the end of the uh, the end of the game and then obviously with social media now he, there's no hiding place he's, he's gonna get stick and but some people might look just look at him and say look you know he was unlucky and um head up go for the next one and stuff like that and it just depends on what type of character he is. If he's like a, a lively character like a Jamie Vardy, then somebody making a laugh and a joke out of it obviously after the effect um then it, it, it would probably be taken in, in quite good humour, as much as obviously scoring two end goals and your team losing, um isn't isn't a laughing matter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Dan mentioned Sideshow Bob. He's, he actually looked vaguely like Sideshow Bob <laughs> it was one of those. So it's like, yeah, there maybe there's still a bit of a message there. Did you watch the game, Simon? I did. Yeah. Um, so the, I don't know the, the funny thing about this game was Liverpool Liverpool were this is one of the worst performances I've seen from Liverpool maybe since um, Napoli anyway one of the worst performances I've seen in the first half they were terrible somehow they went in ahead and in fairness second half they managed it quite well but I thought it was an alarming performance from Liverpool to be honest unless no like, if things had gone their way they would have gotten someone out of the game
4: yeah I mean I I looked at the game and I I thought Liverpool would win comfortably uh at the start of the game. You know, the way they dispatched uh, Villa, I thought they would actually do the same to, to Leicester. But then, obviously, in the first was it seven minutes, when... Um, uh, who, who's your man who goes on and scores? Dewsbury Hall, as well. Hall. I mean, Liverpool's defence just partied. Like the sport. Red Sea. Oh, it was a joke. Like, I couldn't believe it. And um, But, I mean... I was watching the game, like, uh, watching the replays of that goal and I was thinking, like, for me, Henderson has to do better. Obviously, Robertson tries to step up thinking that he's going to play a pass and and then he just, like, Van Dijk obviously moves over. They left 3v3. It just, it was just something that you'd see at like kind of kids football, do you know what I mean? Like, I just felt like it wasn't the natural Liverpool that you've been sort of accustomed to seeing over the last sort of three or four years. Um, but I never saw them scoring. I'll be honest. I never looked at the game and thought they looked a real threat going forward. Obviously, Nunes, you know, he's he's hit and miss. He's he causes he causes chaos with with his running ability, and but he he, he can't finish. And Salah looked really quiet. Uh, it just it just looked like a real lacklustre performance for Liverpool. And it was one that you know, as being a Liverpool fan, I'd be quite. Alarmed with just purely and simply on that performance, I still think they'd have enough in uh, uh, like going into the final stages. Mm. Of the season. But I mean, just on that performance alone, I thought it was a, an alarming
1: performance. Yeah, what what would the day that's in it? We won't be um, reflecting only on the Premier League this weekend, but uh, I actually do want to ask you lads about Nunes. I I I'm very much on the fence with him. He's he's he, he, at times he looks deceptively quick. At times, I think he takes way too much out the ball. There was an instant last night where there was a simple 1-2, I think, with Thiago. Didn't play it, um, but looked very lively.
3: Has he impressed you, Siri? I think he's the kind of player that, um, because he's so quick, um, that's that's the kind of the, the mainstay of his game. Mm. You know? And what my experience with quick players has always been that they, at some stage, they have to learn how to to kind of... Adapt Just their thoughts to how quick they are. That's slow down. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Like, <laughs> and quite, Mbappe's a bit like that. Mm. Be, you know, ba- like, I mean, if you want to take the, the analogy of, let's say, the, this whole, don't mean to get off the topic, but anyway, Mbappe, this whole conversation of him being more class player, like, and you know, I don't think he's there yet. I don't think he's there. Sorry, he's a world class yeah, player. I, I don't think, think he's going to be, I don't think he's in that great category, you know, that sort of messy Ronaldo. I don't think he is not, not yet, anyway. Get down on that after. He, um, he certainly can get there, no doubt about it. Like you know, and he's moving into. The, he's he's probably he's very close. But but I always look at the, the um kind of uh, the analogy of himself and maybe Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry is a very good example of a player who was just pure pace, but adapted his game mm. as he got older. And in my opinion, it got better and better and better and better. You know. So, but anyway, to bring it back to Nunes, I think he's just a player. He just thinks too quick. He probably needs the benefit of. Uh, you know, a strong player in that dressing room to pull him aside. Maybe it's something that Klopp would do. Maybe it's something that Van Dijk will do. And he needs to he needs to develop. Like, but he he certainly needs to adapt his game because um, um, he's thinking too fast. You know. How many? He's ahead, just so. is he? Yeah,
1: I, I I I think and I think the chemistry with Salah looks. Um, I don't know. At times, like it's not there, and obviously, Firmino wasn't playing last night. mane has been a major loss. Dan, you saw a lot of Mbappe throughout Qatar. Um, how would it compare to other players you've seen live?
2: Oh yeah, like it's. I understand what Stewie's saying. Like, I think I was at every France game apart from one of them. Um, I can't think which one. Maybe the Tunisia game, which they lost. So all the sort of uh, all the important ones, and in fairness to Mbappe, like, okay, he was ineffective against England, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he was there, and sometimes. Because you talk about, say, great players, uh, you mentioned, and often like they'd maybe be central or they'd have a team built around them or they'd have sort of... Um, they would influence team. Now, Mbappe, well, the way France operated looked to be suiting him, obviously later on in the competition, they needed to move him in centrally. At times, they yeah. felt just to get him... You know, to really get him involved. And you kind of wonder, is that his future? But, I mean, there's one or two moments. The goal is against Poland. It wasn't sort of... Goals from pace it was actually sort of close control actually he was he was he, you know he showed and, and even I mean, then like the final he's per enough for 80 minutes and then he sort of yeah. he looks absolutely unplayable I mean world class is one of these terms like what's even you know what's what's your grade for for world class like you know is there only five or six players in it is there you know like you you you'd routinely have players described as world class like I think like he he is I mean, like, I mean, Pele passed away during the week. I mean, the the what the the only man to win three World Cups. You know, if Mbappe, if things go differently in a penalty shootout, he's got two in the bag at 23, and he's influenced two of them very heavily. You know, so um, I think he's in. I think he's incredible. But like, it's maybe in his club career. Um, I mean, is he is he even playing at a high level every week in such a way that he's developing that sort of Consistency that the greats, the absolute greats have. I don't know, but he is incredibly young. He's twenty-four now. Nunez, like, I think there's always a tendency to think that these guys will come good, like with the pace that they have. Like he, like even I used to have like like Timo Werner when he came to Chelsea first. It's like it will start to happen from. Yeah, so he's he's he couldn't score. He was offside sometimes, and but he'd get himself into these positions, and you sort of think well, eventually this will click. And I saw Nunez a couple of times. And like he was very effective, and he's an absolute menace and a threat, and he's always involved in stuff yeah. in games. Like he he gets himself into positions, and, and you're thinking, yes, like this is just going to be a, a difficult first season, but it'll come good. But maybe, and the lads will know more than this. Like maybe there comes a point where some people can't be coached, and and and. And sort of like they have this attribute or they have this ability, but it's that next step. Mm. Like, I don't know, like Simon would know more about this from like the the Premier League attackers you've played against who look incredibly dangerous, but they don't don't improve, you know, like they hit a ceiling or something. You know, and you kind of wonder with Nunes, like, can you learn as a striker? Can you really learn more about the game as you get older? Or there's a couple of points where you just accept that he's just going to be inconsistent or he's just going to be like this and that's it.
4: I think you just look at it and in two ways. One, I don't think Liverpool go out and buy uh, Cody Gakpo if they had that full belief that this yeah. is going to come good. <laughs> That's one point. Second point, I think, you, as a centre-forward, he obviously got bought in for a decent amount of money. Um, so the price tag is there. He's obviously trying to not replace Mane, but like, be that next sign in that Liverpool sort of make good and he's got that to sort of he's, he's got that price tag on his shoulders. He's trying to impress. He's probably over trying to 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 impress. He just kind of needs to relax and and calm down and take take all that weight off his shoulders. And like Stewie said, like I said to you know just just slow down a touch. You know, the thing is what I've always I've always seen with quick players, and this is somebody who never had pace talking, so if I did have pace <laughs> god um but <laughs> if uh yeah people with pace they they think way too quick because they're they're always you know thinking, oh, I need to be ahead up that you're always too quick, you're always quick enough to get ahead of the ball or ready to to get on the end of a chance you you know you can bide your time because you're quick enough like. Vardy's a prime example. Vardy is very, very quick. Um, yes, he, he he strays offside, but he's also quick enough to get there. So there should be no reason for him to be offside. It's the kind of, like for me, nowhere near as quick as Vardy, you'd have to make that fine line between being offside and onside just so that you get that extra, that, that little yard. So for for Nunes, um, he just needs to sort of relax and, and sort of, play his natural his natural game which obviously in terms of him causing chaos is you know is is great for people like Salah and mm. um, and everybody else around
1: you made a, you made, sorry yeah so you made a you made a point there. What would uh, Simon Cox have been like with Pace then? Ah oh. Rayon oh, I mean, Madrid, him. I'd say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be, be talking to us now
1: anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true. Really like I used to think, what would I be like in football if I had ability? Like, but uh, what, what? What are you uh <laughs> to <be honest? laughs> What you were you going to? I was there? six
3: foot two. Yeah, Real Madrid definitely.
1: Can can size be <laughs> like you look at Nunes? Though, I I think at times he's almost too big and cumbersome to make those very very quick kind of um uh, like like little interchange passes.
3: I I think you, it's been said twice chaos. I think mm. there 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 is a positive side to chaos. I mean, and there is it's it could well be in the thinking of Cl- of Klopp that look this guy will develop with the players that around him, but I don't want to take that chaos yeah. out of him because he causes trouble, you know. And so, in the same way, he has to adapt to the players that's around him. Maybe the players around him have to also kind of anticipate what's going to happen. Because when he gets the ball, he does create, you know, mm. let will say it again, chaos. But look at Argentina in the World Cup. I thought they were, it was it was it was beautiful chaos at times like you know yeah but that, I think it's certainly beautiful I, I, chaos when the Dutch came in and got two goals <laughs> yeah
2: but I think isn't isn't the point that like even like football changes and maybe like eight nine years ago there was mm. that obsession with say possession for mm. a period of time and yeah. now even some of the top teams are happier counter-attacking at pace and it's so quick so in some ways Nunes is is sort of perfect for that in a way um, if you can have players around them that can anticipate and he can like gain that understanding. Like, like he, he has so many attributes that would suit the modern the modern game at the top end if it can be harnessed in such a way or the players around them know they can strike up an understanding. That's, a, re- that's a really
3: thing, like, good point, because t- I, I, something I often think of is that because the, the game has gone into such a space now where by... The opposition. Everyone knows what every other player. You know the, the the amount of data. Mm. And analysis that it's goes into the game. From what's going to be the difference? Yeah. They're all doing the same yeah. fitness regime. They're all doing the same physical condition. They're all in the same. I, diet. I love the Dutch. I love yeah. like the so Dutch coming the back and be? scoring like with old school football chaos and like chaos. Yeah. And it's just you like you can't Argentina. predict it.
1: Yeah, and um, I, I think you know the game evolves such that uh, you know you, not everyone can play like Man City, and if they did, they might have a kink. And you do look at defenders now, and you're like, well, do they head the ball much? Surely we can. Um, you know, if we played, if we play sort of direct football, maybe um, you know we we can do something. But just say. I was going to say a bit like the old BDO darts um, when the lads are doing the doubles there's a lot of no scores going on in the Premier League here but Palace have taken the lead at Bournemouth and earlier on um, Man United won one nil at Wolves we'll talk about that as well and um, the role of Marcus Rashford I think though it, it might be time to reflect now this is a beautiful photo on the back of Dan's paper yesterday the Irish Independent and Pelly being the man that he was he also featured in the front and if, if I show you that photo that's just a, a youthful Pelly as well in that iconic sort of Brazilian top and uh, what he did for the game um, both he and Maradona sadly passing away in recent times and as I mentioned earlier we had the, the death of Lester Piggott this year the probably the greatest name ever in racing in these parts but I think um, Pele certainly of his time um, was sort of the, the, the icon of football and you remember that first World Cup when they had uh, when they had it in colour and he you know, for, for a guy to um a black athlete to have the role that he did, um and as as been pointed out since he was probably the first Um, you know, black athlete that people in Ireland had seen. A lot of them, we wouldn't wouldn't even have had TVs, but um, obviously one of the true global stars. During the week, we heard from um, probably our own um, equivalent in terms of the role he's had in football in this country, John Giles, a great John Giles. Um, They would have uh, played in a similar time and uh, their paths crossed more than once. uh, And John shared his memories uh, Thursday uh, with Richie McCormack. And John, desperately sad news, and it's hard to really comprehend a world
2: without Pele, because to many, for many people, for so long, he was the very embodiment of football. What did you, what were your impressions of Pele down through the years, and 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 where does he rank for you in terms of the world's
0: greats? Well, <clears throat> it's sad to hear the news, uh, Richie. Uh, I don't think there's anybody better than him. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he was as good as any. But part of what I found were all the great players, uh, Richie. None of them are the same, you know. If you look at Messi today, you look at Ronaldo, uh, you know, all these great players over the years. They're, they're, none of them are similar. They all have their own individual greatness, and Pele certainly had that. He was, he was. I mean, he was in my time. uh yeah. Well, I never played against him, but I, but I, I, I'll tell you a story. I met him one time, but uh, you know, he was only seventeen when he played in the World Cup and won it, I think he won it three times yeah. and he was brilliant. I mean, he wasn't a very big fella, but his head was brilliant. I mean, he was a real striker, you know, he was beautifully balanced, great head of the ball, great shot of the w- w- in both feet and a really, I think a really first class uh, individual team player.
1: Yeah and I guess Simon we were all too um we are all too young really to appreciate Pele but um it's like it's it's just like a name resonates I mean um what were your sort of uh, what was your awareness of him growing up as a potential footballer uh just I mean it's re-
4: it's very difficult because obviously like you said a little bit too young to to have ever watched um and be mesmerized by him but um I think just from all of the way that everybody, the emotion has been poured out um, about him. I think the thing that always stands out and what people have said is that he was the, he was the one who done it first. So like what you're seeing today with the, the Neymars and the, and the Ronaldo's and the Messi's and the Mbappe's of this world. um, Pelé did it first. So I, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I haven't seen a great deal of him. Um, but obviously, the legend that you get told about the person who probably one of the most humble people um, and what he's done for football across the world, uh, bringing it together, um, World Cups in Brazil, he was obviously there. So, like, just things like that. And that just sort of pays testament to the man. He was also
1: a black icon, Dan. You know, in a in a world where um, it's a white man's world, man.
2: Yeah, so. I mean, you I know, mean, Brazil is is sort of complex in that mm. respect. I mean, what struck me just listening to some of the tributes the other day, and it's it's I mean, it's it's obviously something that's a very it's a maybe it's very obvious to a lot of people, but like Brazil hadn't won the World Cup until Pele came along. Yeah. Like you sort of think of Brazil as a as a World Cup winner, mm. but. Like, they didn't do it until, like, he was the first, you know, as well in the context of Brazil. Like, he came along, and Brazil, in 1950, had sort of, like, a massive bottle job to lose the World Cup on home soil. There was actually racism aimed at the player who made the the key mistake um, and that. And, like, that was a a home World Cup where they got done by by Uruguay in the last game. Um, It wasn't quite a traditional final, the way it 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 was sorted at the time. And... What eight years later? Like 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 nineteen fifty was like a, a, still a source of grief in Brazil. Sort of sixty seventy years later, because even being there in twenty fourteen, they still talk about the the World Cup and home soil that they lost. But like Pele went from that and this country, was like will we ever win this thing? To suddenly uh what being involved in, in three and four and and pretty much like being inhibited for the other one. You know, like it's just like when you talk about. And like almost I mean, he's not a sympathetic figure in any respect at all, Neymar. But you like you felt a little bit sorry for him yeah. this time and that he actually stood up, delivered, scored this great goal. Still kinda of got like the flag almost. Yeah. I mean um, he actually did deliver a big moment, but then you know, like twenty minutes later, it's it's all news because you're at a competition. But think about it, like you know Messi and and symbolism of him winning at once, and it's like God, like Pele three and four, you know, I, I, like
1: that's I, the that's the thing. Yeah, I think Brazil will look back on this World Cup with massive regrets in that you know they'd such a situation against uh, against Croatia. It's almost uh, timely now that uh, Erling
2: Haaland, Haaland scores. Has
1: just scored in twenty four minutes. Um, could but become, Pele, yeah, could, could he, become one of the, the he, true greats himself. Sorry, sir. He's immortalized. It's, mm. it's,
3: it's, 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 there's. You can count on your hand probably the people who have passed who you feel they get greater in debt, believe it or not. Yeah, he, his, his legacy will get even. Like he, I don't think we'll miss Pele because I think he'll always be. It's, it's very, you know, it's. It, you see a lot in, in, you know, um, I make the analogy up. Well, Diego Maradona is another one. Um, you know, Prince. David Bowie. These people live on. They get greater in debt, you know, because of um, how talented they were, because of the legacy they have, because of the, what they've left behind. You know, he's a god to the people of Brazil, um, and he's a, he's a, he's immortalized.
1: And you can imagine in um, you can imagine in uh, when 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 it comes around the 970 World Cup, and it's in it's in color. Like, can you imagine the, the and it, you know, I, I hate the term. Man of color or a person of color but that, that this Brazil team and the mixture of characters involved and the way they played um Simon that must have been like i mean it's what fifty two years ago now, but that must have been an absolute uh revelation to people in the western world
4: well just being able to watch it and and be mesmerized by it would have been would have been something to to be hold of um i mean listen again uh he, he just he just galvanized a, a country made it not all about him because he dragged everybody else up with him and, and that was and that was you know testament to him as a player and um you know the the people of brazil and and listen all around, all around the world would have just been in awe of somebody who was able to do the things that he was able to do Who is was the greatest player in the world
1: at the moment dan
2: oh god um, at the moment
1: has he scored the opener for Man City against Everton? Or are you in the Mbappe camp? Are you De Bruyne?
2: Ah, uh, like I mean, but Messi, right? Like Messi's performance in the World Cup, yeah, right. like, off the charts. Like you know, while talk about slow down, like he's completely slowed down and he's as effective. I mean, yeah, yeah. like you know, who would you want in your team for a ninety-minute game? You said like right, like okay, you'd say probably the, the bar being reached by. Like Haaland is incredibly high, right? And no, I don't know how you actually sort of measure the two. It's sort of it's, a, it's sort of a pub debate or yeah. a radio debate. Uh, like there's no right or wrong answer. But like Messi probably still showed. Um, you know, of of the players currently playing the game, he's hit the highest ceiling.
1: And and so. it's a, the funny thing was too, like Pele briefly retired because he'd gotten such a kick, in, I think against Portugal, and he was like, "I hate the way European football, um, you know, it's becoming very physical." And you think of Pelle and Maradona, like the kickins that they got, yeah, the George best, yeah, I mean, George they, best, yeah, yeah. Like, and you yeah. imagine the pitches they played on yeah. as well, um, that you know, are open to Mbappe and and the the likes. Now it wasn't to them.
3: Yeah, I think I think the, 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 it's very it's very difficult to compare like like because the, you know the rules aren't the same, They're just simply aren't. Players are more protected now the way that, than the, the, what they would have been back in the day, um, but you know, um, to go back and look at some of the footage of of Pele, um, in that you know especially that 1970 World Cup is an absolute joy. Look at Diego Maradona in '82. Maybe look at the uh, was it the Italian game where they absolutely kicked lumps out of ex- they they kicked lumps out of them, you know, mm-hmm. or even George Best and these guys were they were special and they like they did a first, you know, I think was it was it was it Haaland that actually said, you know, Pele did everything for that kind of way, and and that is true. Like you know, and they are they are the pioneers of the sport we now know. Mm-hmm. I
2: think the thing about Pele, there'll never be another player like that, in the sense of the mystique that probably surrounded him, is because he played all his club football, or like you know, the lion's share of his club football in Brazil. That's you know, true. like and now you have a situation where. A, I think there was a 16-year-old wonder kid from Brazil. I think joined Real Madrid there like a couple of weeks ago. Brazil and Argentina—that's um, a sore point. Hendrik, as he's yeah, called, you know. Yeah. So not not Hendrick. but like you know, the, the, there's like now the, 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 we see all the players so regularly. Like you see mm. the great players so regularly. A lot of them will come to the Premier League or to two leagues basically, and so they don't have that sort of magic aura where you talk about the 70 World Cup. I can imagine like people would see them that's it like you know maybe it might be four years or yeah. you know two years and like Pele came to what he came to Daily Mount in 72 I think to play um, and there the, the was this sort of wow this, this, this aura about them whereas now a lot of people can probably go over and watch Haaland if they want you know Man City tickets aren't that hard to get you know, you going
1: to feature on a bow shirt now it's
3: too easy who? Pele
1: and Bob Marley. Oh I Caden don't know. Daly-Mans. Maybe, yeah, maybe but, it,
3: but the backstory in interest that interesting. interesting that Dan <laughs> yeah. well, I think it's, 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 it's I mean it's copyright, isn't it? But the, um. the, 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 the point that the game that Dan alludes to there, the seventy two game, um was uh, a a Bowsendrachondra um mix that played uh, Santos but <laughs> what happened ah, Did you think about do you know what that what what, what what the backstory is? Effectively Santos realised after the fifty eight World Cup that We have a like we've got a superstar here, like you know. Mm. And what they did was they went, um, almost like the globe, the Harlem Globetrotters, they went on these exhibition games, they traveled the world and you know, just to play yeah. friendlies to just to play Pelé. And you know, it, there was one instance where apparently they played 19 games in 40 days or something like that. <laughs> so, Mad. like, you know, and you know, obviously, the club benefited hugely financially from that. You know, it's, it's role reversal now whereby the player would, would, you know, would dictate everything. Like, you know, and that money... Would have went back into the. I would imagine. Well, you know, it's mm. hard to know mm. with cor- corruption back in the day. So we, you, we would like to think it went back into the club and it helped it helped develop the but, club. Well, know? that's how
2: we at the start of lockdown. I remember we did a thing about book recommendations, and there's the book about Garrincha, mm. which I spoke about. I can't think of the title of the book, but it sort of touches on what Shubie's on about there. Like Garrincha was sort of a slightly troubled genius who play who was involved in the, the early Brazil, like the 50 58 62 era, but this winger, but he was just fraught with. You know mm. problems, and um, but a big part of it was like the exhibition circuit that Brazil mm. went on because they were the stars. So all of a sudden they do these mad tours, you know, around sort of Europe or whatever, sort of pitching up at every town, uh, and that's it. Like that's where you'd see them. Mm-hmm. You know, you might. But it's now, like you know, clubs will go to go to Asia and play in a ten a day tournament in July or at like the International yeah. Champions Cup or something, which is a made for TV event. Whereas this was more like. Uh, we, we bring you to your to your ground and you pay out and you see them and that's it and hopefully they, they show up it's like sort of Harlem Globetrotters type of uh, sort of thing
1: Yes, uh, Simpler times two goals in the 3 o'clock games Manchester City lead Everton 1-0 and uh, Crystal Palace are 1-0 up at Bournemouth we'll be back after the break You are welcome back uh, last uh, football Saturday of the year and um, it was a funny one Simon watching the game last night uh, sort of a run of the middle game between Liverpool and Leicester, and then it was kind of casually mentioned. I don't know it was the first second half. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, Ronaldo's gone to Saudi Arabia. It's all over for him in terms of his English involvement. Um, uh, I don't know. Where do you start with this?
0: Uh,
1: with a walk to the bank, I think. Yeah,
4: uh, yeah. listen, I think he... Uh, maybe his nose was out of place, obviously. He was trying to get out of United... Uh, in the, in the summer and and nobody in the Champions League was wanting to take him and I don't think he really wanted to go to any other team that wasn't really competing for for the top trophies so what he's probably end up deciding is where can I go now where's going to pay me the most money and um that that's probably the the brunt of it really he's uh, he's gone for for the for the pound notes in the pocket. We
1: we live in a, in a desperately desperately unfair world where there's massive inequality oh, and Saudi Arabia can just throw money at a lad who's like finished in finished basically uh, throw money at him for for um no good really apart from a bit of sports washing in my view for the for the Saudis and um nobody benefits benefits really apart from Ronaldo.
3: Yeah, I mean I this is um, for me, like I I, 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 think I switched off to Ronaldo uh, uh, quite a while ago. To mm. be honest, you know, um, he, the guy just doesn't interest me anymore. He's he, he he's been a fantastic player, fabulous player. You know, when we talk about we actually out. have Ronaldo yeah. on the line now. Um, <laughs> so just yeah, chewy. We'll
1: on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but,
3: um, No, I know, I know what you're saying. Oh, like, yeah, it, it's it's this idea of it's the ce- it's the celebrity in football mm. has gone to. It's sickening levels to but be your Dan Dan defended him at the at the oh, World can't. Cup he
1: went off crying in, he was in irrelevance in the World Cup went off there crying okay, after okay. after uh, being crap again be like in, Johnny in and Dan is like oh no sure poor Ronaldo wouldn't be like,
2: it wouldn't be like uh, wouldn't we like you to misrepresent represent uh, a previous discussion uh, i have no sympathy for Ronaldo <laughs> uh, over anything in the in the last sort of 3 to 6 months What did you but say but then I I did believe that he was genuinely upset after Portugal went out you claimed there were crocodile tears how did
3: he knew with a camera in front of his face exactly Exactly. I wouldn't be at all surprised if he said, obsessed? Listen, if we lose, come come straight to me. Ah, this, shooting, this is part of my documentary. F-
2: Simon, what do you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're spending too I, much time on
1: yeah. YouTube, YouTube comments. Mohammed bin Salman probably asked him to cry. Like, what did you make of the time? Uh, I mean, it, for me, it was just, uh, I don't know. I uh,
4: I have a really bit of a, a bugbear about lads crying yeah, after Simon. The Love it. Because, because I feel like it's. It's not for anybody other than for the cameras and for people who go,
2: oh, look, he really cares. Listen to but the man. Care without crying. Yeah. Oh no! Hang on. Someone can. You're allowed to cry. Like it's okay no, to. No, cry. He, no, no. So to but, be fair, but But, the, he's the, but what I would balls. say. Oh my God! I cannot believe I'm actually a, a Cristiano Ronaldo sympathizer in the context of this discussion. But like Ronaldo was uh, on the bench. But which what was the game? He was left out for the the first one was it Morocco. Or maybe the game. Yeah, was he didn't was, start no, in the Morocco previous either. Or Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. Switzerland was the game. And you see, like, the cameras. Yeah. Like, there's like like, like 500 cameramen all around the Portuguese bench during the anthem. And I, like, it was a striking thing in the World Cup at the full time whistle. The camera crew would, like, you see the camera crew going out onto the pitch and instantly going for, like, the, the, the most distraught player, as opposed to, like, Harry Kane. I remember after the England game. Where you know, Harry Kane's missed a penalty, and you see straight away yep. Harry Kane's having his moment, and the camera comes to him. And uh, the uh, you see Pickford actually had to sort of sprint down and get the camera's crew to go away. But, like, at first to Ronaldo, he did actually go down the tunnel. It wasn't like he stood around in the pitch, like staring into the crowd with tears in his eyes. He just wanted to get out of there. I actually believe, like, he was sort of upset, genuinely, because that's it. He's done. Like, yeah, I agree you know, with you on So, like, us, I, I was, I, I'm not saying if you think that he actually genuinely went into the dressing room and said, Actually, I'm not that upset at all,
1: he went straight I'm fine, the show. Like, No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, do you
2: know what I mean? One. Of course, he was upset. Right he was upset well, we, were, we were all upset to be fair. That was Johnny's point previously that like yeah. they weren't really real tears. Yeah that, that was his argument. Like, I think I think he's sad because as much as Ronaldo has just taken the he's just taken the money now, right? I mean I'm sure across the last couple of weeks he sees Messi's won the World Cup. Yeah. You know, he's sort of won the war in the context of like this sort of thing. And Ronaldo's decided well, I'm taking the cash, but I still think behind it all like He's got to think the waning of his powers has got to be difficult for him to take.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, today we're brought to you by Catch uh, the biggest live Premier League games every weekend on Sky Sports. You're not going to catch Ronaldo anymore because he's gone. But, I mean, Stewie, you've got to contextualise this as well. Let's talk about Ronaldo for the first 20 years or whatever of his career, not the last 12 months, because hmm. what he did and the, the the standard he was able to maintain well into his late 30s was absolutely phenomenal. Like, for me... I'd have Messi over Ronaldo every day of the week but that's not getting away and we remember in Faro a guy who was utterly awful for the whole game and he scores two goals like
3: that um, and what he was able to achieve and what he achieved throughout his career was phenomenal. Oh yeah, no, you, you, it's, it's, it's there for everybody to see and you, you can't argue um, and I, I'll even go as far as to say there was a point in time where I was kind of split between the, the Messi and Ronaldo because I felt Ronaldo to me, I think Messi is the, you know, he was just such a natural um uh, natural ability um mm. but Ronaldo had to work at it and th- I, I loved that about him, but there comes a point where um you kind of you lose the i don't know you lose the people that you know g- kind of came on your side like you know that kind of way the, the, the people looked at you and said you you know you, you had to work at everything and it didn't come naturally to him. And I respected all that. And I even think back to when even when he signed for Man United, it was it was off the back of the United player saying, You gotta go you gotta sign this kid. He was incredible because they played him I think they might have played him in a preseason friendly or something mm. like that, like you know, and You know, all that stuff was great. And he he went on to achieve so much, but um the the celebrity part of it is for me, the the, the 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 stuff I can't stand it. I just can't stand it. At it's all. Like, it's you know? it's where
1: we live in though. Da, like Dan makes a very good point there. It's like, uh, but but it's it's
3: it's it's like a virus in the game. It will change it. It Johnny. will change it. Yeah. It's, I it's, mean. It, it, is, it is the virus of the mm. game. You know the the, the distribution of wealth. Mm not it's, just in football it's, it's but in in, 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 in in life it's horrible in, in the world, you, you're the world Cup and it's getting worse and you're worse you the World
1: Cup in Qatar where they whatever it was 220 odd billion whatever it is and now um, Saudi can pay uh, you know uh, uh, has been footballer basically the most obscene uh, wages in the world and it's just like well whoever made up the idea of a nation state that just has access to all this money like maybe it wasn't the fairest thing to do but I don't know Simon would you go to I mean you're you're burgeoning off the ball career is going well would you go to Saudi Arabia for 200 million a year <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah uh, we have to find a role for you over there yeah
4: um I, listen I, I agree with the lads i think it's uh it, it's it's obscene to be able to say to somebody the age of 37 38 come and give us two years and we're going to give you 270 million or whatever it is mm. for um for two years and um but you, the league's probably not great and, and he's going to get to be able to do whatever he likes and he'll stand around and... Listen, he'll probably go out and score loads of goals because the league's probably not, not fantastic.
1: You but want to, yeah, I've done that money. You know, so I, I don't know. It's, it's one of them... Well, the, the funny thing is, well, Dan, right? So uh, Alex Murphy of Galway United he goes and joins Newcastle, and the Saudi money comes to Galway United, which was going to come because Saudi Arabian uh, interests are going to take over Galway United. What do you make of their increasing sort of relevance in in football? Essentially, such that Newcastle are flying high, and their you know their fans don't really seem to give a rats.
2: I oh, know they don't care. No. Newcastle fans of um, well, no, actually, I think there's maybe it might be a couple, but generally it's like the the Newcastle fans turning up dressed as shakes and mm. listen, you know. Um, uh, like you know, let's let's uh, this whole Khashoggi stuff. I mean, people need to stop going on about it. It's just Western media complaining. What about this? or What about? That? Well, you, you I mean, were in you were in Qatar.
1: What's the spectre of a twenty thirty World yeah, Cup in Saudi? What does it mean I to did, you?
2: Well, I did a piece towards the end of the competition. I was speaking with an Irish fellow called Niall Keogh who works on the did the fire safety for for the stadiums in uh, Qatar. And uh, his company has sort of had the tender for them, and, and listen, he's making a very sort of good living for himself over there, and I wouldn't begrudge anyone like taking those opportunities. I mean, there's a real contrast between like someone like Ronaldo, like how much money is enough when you have it, and then you know people mm-hmm. obviously see opportunities over there that they mightn't, you know, that, that might they might be deprived of those opportunities in Ireland or whatever. But anyway. Um, he was saying that he's spending one week out of every four in Saudi now because they're starting the, pro- the process of, of building stadiums there. So, I mean, this is really with happening. With the view to... Yeah, I think what he said was they'll definitely have a World Cup before 2040, uh, but they are going for the 2031 just because um, you can't have it in Asia again so soon after 2022. But if they pair up with Greece and Egypt, which is what they're doing, and they might even sort of try and uh, you know, build some of the stadiums for them. Now, I'm not sure if, that'll, if that will still happen, um but if it doesn't happen that time it doesn't mean it won't happen in twenty thirty four or twenty thirty eight. And the bottom line is like they're not going away. I mean they've got Messi as an ambassador. Like we we will Let's if we will have Messi. a go at Ronaldo here yeah. for taking the Saudi He's money but, but Messi is also taking Saudi money too. Um, to become an ambassador for them Um I don't know, like visit Saudi Arabia or something. It's like, well, I mean, yeah Like 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 it's like David Beckham on if you fly over to Qatar Every Qatar Airlines flight has a 15 minute video of like David Beckham sort of sort of like Alan Partridge touring around Qatar You know, uh, like a sort of a bad travel video. So and um, That's like that's what they're doing. They, they will go after the most influential figures in the world uh, pay them as much as they want to represent them and they're not going away. Like I mean, it's not like it's not as if they're just going to, to suddenly give up out of this. Um, I, mean, I know I know I I'd be big into golf and I'd be I've been fascinated by the whole Live Golf story over the last year. And again, there's a question of well, what happens if they stop to get a stop getting a return? Like it's a, it's a loss maker what they're doing with Live. But are, what what's it all about? You know, and will they eventually lose interest with it? But there's no. Sign with football that, that they won't, and like an Olympics is another thing that I mean, that's Qatar's next plan is to get the Olympics. So, uh, uh, Saudi like they they won't stop until they get something, and the way that football tournaments are handed out is still uh, open for them to get it.
1: Just to interject there, uh, Anders Ferreira has uh, put Fulham 1 0 up, and uh, Palace Chris Palace 2 0 up at Bournemouth. Brilliant moment there in the Man City game, and I mean this is the problem with with sport and football at this level on one level you're horrified by uh, who's financing this and the unfairness of it all but then you look at the players so um, Stones hits the uh, post from I think it was a corner heads it against the post the ball spins out Haaland runs as if he's running a 100 metre sprint to try and win the ball back near the corner flag and absolutely takes out uh, one of the opposition players one of the Everton players and uh, probably got a yellow card for his trouble but the hunger uh, the hunger of, uh, of uh, Haaland is, is, is phenomenal Phenomenal. Um, before we're, we're going to go to the ads shortly, Sweet, But th- th- this whole spectre of um, this Arab money coming from these despotic regimes to sports washes as much as they can. Um, like, is it? Sa- if you're a Newcastle fan and you say you're a Newcastle fan, does it does it bother you? I'd say if you're a Newcastle fan, no. To be quite honest with you, why um, not though? I mean, like football is football,
3: but like you're being funded here by something that's effectively. I think the education season. is a huge part of it. Um, they know though, it. but but. But you also have to, you know. I mean, um, if you're a Newcastle fan, I'm sure you're, you're you're working class, you know, and in some cases you're 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 probably even below the mm. poverty line, like you mm-hmm. know. So they look at football as being their life and mm-hmm. the story, you know. Um, they've they've seen it, they they lived through it, um, and it's very difficult to convince, um, you know, supporters like that that, um, you know. That all you know, all these these situations that are going on, it's very difficult to kind of you know to educate them, not to educate them, but very very difficult to kind of tell them. Listen, um, you know, you shouldn't have your day in the sun because the money is coming from this sort of situation. And um, they'll you know they'll obviously argue against that. But I do think football needs it's it's um it's day of reckoning. I, I don't think it's I think it's coming. I I I think it's coming. I, I can't see how this can continue. Well, this, what's going to happen then? I think, I think like any, like any situation, when, when finances and the speed, um, everything evolves so quickly, there's always a cracking point. Like, you know, a lot, so, something will crack. I don't know whether it'll be a, a, a global uh, financial crisis or a crash or something, but if something will crack and um, I think it'll, it'll have, its, Probably, it has but to the a The thing is uh, that like, to continue, w- like,
2: when you have the Premier League monster, when you have like, naturally like, your government is doing a lot of business with that part of the world yeah like what like we, the, the price you pay like I mean we will sit here and talk about the Premier league and the level of the players and stuff and that's because in many ways like the the, the ownership rules that exist and the, the the power of the foreign markets and stuff and, and that have allowed it to become so powerful like you, you, how you would change it if you would actually change the ownership structures or the how you know what type of like club can how a club can be run there's been real questions over man city and mm-hmm. some of the how they got around or how they worked within some of the financial so the financial uh, regulations, re-sponsorship and wages and income and stuff. But clearly, if you start to put restrictions on that, then that money goes elsewhere and your league loses its place at the top of the tree and that that's what funds so many other I, things. I
3: think we got an early a, a glimpse maybe of where the cracking point might come when the when the European Super League, you know, um, reared its ugly head yeah. and pe- people push back against it. I think ultimately when <laughs> When people realise that the reason the players are getting, average players are getting 100 grand a week, you know, semi-good players are getting 200 grand a week, and so on and so on, when people realise that they're ultimately paying for that in their monthly subscription to Sky and all that, I think that that may be the, the tipping point where people go, I can't put food on the table, like, you know, and yeah. this, this guy is... Yeah, I, 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 the power I, it is with people, and that may be where it, where it ultimately comes I, I, from.
1: And um, uh, just the half times there are: Bournemouth nil, Palace two, Fulham one, Southampton nil, Man City one, Everton nil, and uh, Newcastle United nil. Leeds United nil. Who's the first player you would have sort of idolised, Simon, or looked up to as a kid? Uh, Teddy Sheringham was my idol. Teddy, Sheringham. so even even when Teddy Sheringham started, and he did a great career at Spurs and Man United and so forth. You're like, I, I, I don't know. When you reflect now on 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 Neymar and Bappe and Messi going back to PSG and basically this being just money that the Qatar government has used because it can use as much money as it wants. And you look at what's happened at Man City and you look at what's happening um, at Newcastle. Uh, it, it's hard for that child within you to resurface again because I mean, are they should we even be using the word clubs anymore? As has been pointed out. Um,
4: I think you got to take it into context, really, because the players themselves aren't the ones who are dictating how much they're worth or how mm. much they, they get. They get to be paid. Like that's that's in the background. That's their agents. That's their family members. That's the the people at the football club. Um, you go back to the sort of '90s and so on when you when you had your best players and and they were earning sort of. 20 grand a week and that mm. was probably top top wages cantonars and people like that you probably would have been outraged at that at that time as well like that 20 is probably 200 now so mm. it's probably in in context but, but i i never begrudge anyone to go and earn masses masses amounts of money you gotta look after themselves look after their families and stuff like that um and if somebody was willing to pay me 200 grand a week or whatever You'd be sure to say that I would uh, be shaking a hand straight away. Um, I think that's that's part and parcel of it being a footballer. You get paid to do a job, and it's broadcasted all over the world, and it brings joy to a lot of people all over the world. Um, it is a sport that ninety nine percent of people across the world love, um, and people make money off it. That's that is just the way that the football. If you take it as a just as a you know, a blanket thing. It is a it is a sport at the end of the day, and people who get paid well to do things like that, why not? Um, same same with golf. You look at Tiger, look at Rory, look at tennis, look at Federer and Nadal. You know, the best players in the world, they get paid the big bucks. That's why they're the best players in the world. So um, you know, they have that ability to to draw in audiences, which they probably wouldn't have been able to to get if they weren't uh, given. The amounts of money that they were given, and they were doing, and they were playing at such a high level. So, um, it's not just football; it's it's everywhere else. Although football is um, is highlighted because of potentially who owns the football clubs.
1: And uh, yeah, sorry, Sue,
3: this just flesh out. Uh, 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 it'd be it'd be good to flesh out a kind of an argument there, and we we talk about. People are making money out. Of, who's making the money? Mm. You know, and it, it yeah. is a, it's an exclusive amount. of people are making money. Agents are like a vi- like again a Pulses. virus in the game. Mm. You know, um, I, I'd agree with Simon in that it's it's very difficult to begrudge somebody. You know, to, to earn as much as they can earn. You know, f- for their for their talent and for their ability. But when when you look at the paper trail and you realize that there's obscene amounts of money going to you know. Uh, people who are just uh, under the covers are and the game itself isn't I mean t- t- take for example Ireland very good example like, the game here is struggling you know financially it needs it needs financial injection it needs investment it needs it needs to grow it needs to develop but it's th- th- like there's obscene amounts of money in this game around the world and we're, we're not, it's not here like you yeah, know I, and, this, and we're, we're probably a very modest um, end of the scale there. There, there, are, you know, there are you know, there are there are countries in, in Africa, um all around oh the yeah. world, Asia, absolutely I, I, on the I've poverty said, line. I've said this
1: before, yeah. like it's like when um Kirk Cobain loved getting famous, hated being famous. I would actually a part of me would would die if Ireland were just loaded with money and it just became a money game. But Dan, just on, on a on a happy note, um to reflect on um the, the Arab world in the World Cup because Saudi Arabia um, whatever, you, whatever you say about the regime the national team beat Argentina and what Morocco brought to this tournament and there were great scenes in the occupied West Bank of Palestinian people celebrating a win for Morocco which is in, in Africa but is part of the Arab world that is so downtrodden as well
2: yeah like that was powerful I mean I, I, I read a sort of a long piece that was sent to me that sort of for so it's the Arab world it's the African world even the issue of identity within the squad and stuff is, is complex one mm. and, and there was a lot of people claiming ownership on Morocco's success and it's you know it, you just have to be wary of that but I mean that was um, an advertisement as well that like Morocco's tried to host the World Cup four or five times yeah. and hasn't and I mean, clearly doesn't um, I mean, Qatar finished bottom of the tactical criteria for staging and still was able to host the tournament oh, do you I, know, you know, know. I wonder yeah. why that was um, like Morocco, t- Morocco clearly wouldn't tick a lot of the boxes yet that actually showcased well wouldn't have uh, that been terrific to have a proper uh, world Cup in the Arab world and really experienced uh, a part of the world with a proper football culture that hasn't got a chance to mm. host it. That would have been magic. Um, but maybe so, some good points from Simon there, Like maybe might return to that. Sounds subject. surprised. Uh, no, not at all. I think the, uh, <laughs> uh, you, uh, I mean, if would Simon had pace, he'd be um, unbelievable. Again. Yeah, um, we're going mean, to discuss if Simon Cox had speed after four what? o'clock. He, he sorry, be, pace,
1: not. Uh, uh, if he, he was insane would he, would he be up
2: top with Al Nasser, with, uh,
1: with Ronaldo <laughs> at the moment? Cox linked with Al Nasser, we We shall be back for the second half of the show after the break. Welcome back to Football Saturday, brought to you by uh, Sky. Catch the biggest live Premier League games every weekend on Sky Sports. Uh, tomorrow, uh, don't miss Nottingham Forest v Chelsea uh, live only on Sky Sports. Um, off air, there, Stewie Byrne went into the sort of impassioned rant I hadn't heard from him since uh, he was angry after Shells won the league, which brings you to the next point: Dan Shells' kind of subsequent financial implosion. And you were making this point over the break there that um, you know we obsess about like the, you know, Premier League and all that, but there are basket cases economically down further in the football chain in England.
2: Well no, I think it's just in the context and Simon would know a lot about naturally he he played in various divisions in the in the in the sort of English football ladder. And I was just struck by um it was like Rochdale um John O'Connor who's ex ex-board member posted this up yesterday. Like Rochdale who were down in League 2 uh, now they've been in league one for you know quite a bit in recent seasons. Gavin Bazuna was on loan there mm-hmm. a lot of Irish players there and talking about like recording losses of like 1 million um 1.2 million in the space of a year. Um, now that actually is a small loss in the context of what some of the clubs in the championship are are losing and like we're talking about the sort of the obscene wages uh, in the Premier League level and I sort of agree with Simon, but there's a lot of people making Huge amounts of money at the Premier League, like TV companies are. Like, you, cl- players hear about billion-dollar TV deals. That of course, it's right that like the players should be compensated rather than you know hangers-on. I I don't really have a particular problem with that. But I think the the real issue with, with, with England. The English football, I say, the real issue is that at the top end of the tree, it's like everything is amazing. Like you have the top clubs now going to get every, oh, pretty much all the good players they can, they can get. They miss out on the odd couple, but generally they're getting most, PSG, of them, yeah. most of them now. Um, but well, you look down the ladder, well, actually, and clubs are hemorrhaging yeah, money. So in an environment where there's almost no consequences, and like we're here in Ireland, and naturally, like the game here is cash trapped if you know, clubs have had their period, sure you would have played in it, you know, in the sort of 2000s where things went a little bit mad and there was like massive losses and, and big issues. And now, I'm not saying things are stable now. In fact, we've seen in recent years, even the Shamrock Rovers accounts, not too favourable, but then they've qualified for, uh, they've got group stage football, so you sort of have to speculate to accumulate. But over in the UK, which is where a lot of our players naturally go, we see all these players leaving the league naturally enough because they're attracted by the better opportunities in England better money in a lot of cases albeit not always at the first club they go to but it's the, it's the dream but the whole system over there is sort of crumbling and you talk about the day of reckoning I don't think it's ever going to be a day of reckoning really at the top end because there's too much money invested interest but what you see is more clubs go in the way of like Bury, and you know clubs that actually go out of business further down
1: yeah, the ladder and, 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 like and that's and, and that's the concern
2: I don't know that's
1: like the, that's the Simon
2: you was. you obviously were the last couple of years you played were down sort of you know league 1 and and league 2 and i don't know what the environment is like for a player at clubs there with shorter contracts you've you've probably seen clubs uh, sort of sink i guess you know yeah. that would have been powerful clubs at a time yeah i mean that that
4: is the big issue the big issue uh... In uh like League One, League Two, especially is the people that own them. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the time they're not wealthy enough. Um there used to be a case of if you were, if you were a millionaire, you were able to own a football club and mm. and and be able to run it. Uh whereas unfortunately in today's world that's that's not necessarily the case. Um <clears throat> we I had it a, a, a good few times when I was at South End. Uh the owner would always pay late. He would beg, borrow, and steal from somebody else to to pay wages, and and sometimes it would come in dribs and drabs, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily come um, in one one full hit and um, at the end of the month. And and it, in all honesty, I don't think he really cared. Um, as long as you got you you got your money, you were contracted to the football club, um, and that was uh and that was it. Uh, regardless whether you've got bills to go out. At the start of each month or during the month as long as you got your money he was he was happy that you got it um and you're right in what you said about buried there's if you look at oldham in recent years yeah, a lot of northern um, english clubs yeah yeah well unfortunately again that's where um a lot of people up, up that that sort of neck of the woods are, are the people who the, the jobs aren't exactly
1: the, the well paid jobs so isn't uh, that the funny thing as well so like if the, the, the 2022 was 100 years of the um, 100 year anniversary of the Soviet Union I think we can be fair to, we can I safe- thought you were
2: going to say the FBI we
1: can- <laughs> I know it's 2023 but we can, or maybe one. anyway we can, same, that- it? <laughs> to, we can safely say that we can safely say that both com- had their regime problems already. Say- we can safely say that co- <laughs> communism is flawed right and probably doesn't work but this idea on the other end of the spectrum that trickle down economics work of course is absolute rubbish as well and you have these uh, clubs as you mentioned that are surrounded by the likes of Man City and Man United um, that are basically going bust and you have all these clubs down the ladder that are trying to I guess Simon they're, they're, they want to get to the top and they want to get to that level but they're absolutely hemorrhaging money and in some existences just losing existence because of this so it's it's a very very unequal game
4: Yeah well again it goes back to the people that own them and and, and how they become owners of their, of that football club. So the guy who used to own um, Oldham bought the football club knowing like he, had, he, he had no money. Uh, he, I think he'd made, I think he, I saw something about him the other day. Uh, he had something like 10 companies and eight of those companies he put into receivership, but he was able to run uh, Oldham Football Club. So what he was doing is he would buy the football club, he'd go through the fit and proper, process at the fa which obviously is is no good um he'd not pay everyone people would leave he'd then sell the ground and then he'd turn the ground into into housing and then he'd sell the houses and he'd make his money so that's that was what he was he was there to do and thankfully um the people of oldham got in involved a lot quicker than what they did at berry which is uh which is right um but you have to be you have to be very careful with who you you allow to run a football club because you have to get, you have to know that they've got the best interests of, of the surrounding areas at heart. And we talked about Newcastle earlier. And one thing I would say about Manchester City to start with is that what Sheik Mancera has done for for around Manchester, around where, where uh, the Etihad is, is he's redeveloped that whole area, built a new training ground, a stadiums, you know been magnificent they've they've gone into the community they've done you know wonderful things in in that area you'd like to hope that the Saudi money at Newcastle will try and do the same thing um and if if they do then great um but you've got also neighbouring football clubs that just need a helping hand um and unfortunately because of where they are and the crowds that they get and um, it's just it's just not it's not possible to be able to just drip feed into into a football club. You're not obviously allowed to own two football clubs in the same pyramid, so that that obviously doesn't that's not something that can be done. Uh, but, but that's why Man
1: City go out and buy football clubs in in different countries in in different leagues. Yeah, don't be afraid to get in touch. This 6 are on social media. Um, Finto twenty three on Twitter. End game is Saudi or Qatar based franchise playing Premiership or Euro League. Can this happen? And in fairness, like the. The, the funny thing about the League of Ireland at the moment, we'll, we'll talk about the League of Ireland now of 2022, uh, uh, Suey and uh, and Ireland as well, just the, the sense of um, community at games now or something, there's been a real upsurge in crowds and like, I've I've gone to, I've, I've gone to more games in Talca than Galway because, I, or sorry, in Dublin uh, than in Galway because I live up here um, but like, the, the 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 vibe I've been getting at say, Inchicore or Drumcondra and watching Shells or, um you know, Talas had... Fantastic crowds this year. Both successes being well hailed. Um, that's something to cherish for me. And we're not we're not throwing money um, around like we did in the old days. And there's a lot to be proud of for all of our flaws. Yeah,
3: I'd agree. I'd agree. I have to say, um, um, you know, since I since I finished up, I would have you know been um, doing this gig and 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 looking at at the at the the clubs from the out from the outside and to, to see. Um, club by club year by year just get their act together and say do you know what it's al- it's almost like there's been an acceptance you know um they've 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 developed it. the clubs I'm, I'm talking about here have developed a way they, they um to kind of deal with the problem you know yeah. we, we we you know we, we're not going to get a a, a a white knight or a knight coming in on his white horse and, and and spending you know loads of money on the game here so the clubs have gotten their act together um and they've they have they've knitted themselves into the community. Um, Some clubs have done it better than others, but there's definitely a shift now um, and you can see it. And I think COVID has... I think it's helped as well, you know. I think coming and absolutely, in absolutely,
1: and funnily enough, it didn't help other sports like rugby is struggling crowds wise yeah. in some respects. Racing hasn't really come out of COVID in the greatest shape. League of Ireland has been completely See, off. Fo-
3: but it's like I've always wondered why football is like it is the beautiful game. It's the best game in the world. There's no doubt about it. Like you know, and, and I've always often wondered why what 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 was it we had to do to kind of tap into this in Ireland? Yeah, mm. what are we doing wrong? And it's, it's very difficult. It's a very difficult thing to do. And and, and we're of course we're competing with all the other sports and we're a small country and all that kind of well, well, stuff. Well what
1: have we done down then? What's changed well, if, no, if anything?
3: Well yeah I mean I
2: suppose we are starting from a low base like in the sense of I mean particularly like the, the crowd situation in Dublin was, was really like for a city of the population its size was still bad. Mm-hmm. We, like, you have a number of clubs across the city and all of those clubs have got their act together. Um, and you see, like the, the stats stack up, you know, like the crowds are up pretty much everywhere around the country. But I think in Dublin in particular, some of the jumps have been spectacular, huge, definitely. But in particular, St. Pat's, I think, actually, um, who myself and yourself, Johnny Boat, lived in Dublin 8 for a long period of time. And I would have said, oh, I would live in Dublin 8, and there's a club sort of 10 15 minutes away. You wouldn't Hardly know, you know it. it, you wouldn't know it. And I mean, what they've done. Um, is impressive and probably you know going after a next generation that probably don't have I don't know maybe some of the baggage or attitudes that older generations might have towards the game here and um, giving them a positive experience to start off. With. I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm, I'm wary well, of getting too carried oh, away. Oh, absolutely. Like, but but I thing- want to go back to like to back <clears> to the previous point that we were sort of making. And this is why I was talking about Rochdale. Like, um, you know, Rochdale thinks average attendance is, I was looking it up, like maybe 3,500 people. Like, I'd imagine that the, the the players there are probably earning reasonable money. I don't know, probably equivalent to, say, League of Ireland money. Who, who's gone to you Bradford
1: know, in, in recent days from. Uh, uh, Kieran Kelly. Kieran from, Kelly's from gone from to Bradford. They, but, had, they were getting crowds of 15,000. I know, that like, times. I know. There's
2: some huge clubs in League Two, in right? The League but Two. There like. is. But my point is, like, what is the next step? Mm. You know, because naturally, okay, now we've got to a situation where the crowds are, have got better. Um, in some cases facilities of you know the clubs of outgrown stadiums in the sense that the crowds would actually be bigger if they had more room that's fine but uh, you talk about when we're not losing our heads uh, like recent times you might say that but wages are still probably creeping up around the but league. in fairness fair, if, if you money look at, if the, if the, look at the,
1: the likes of Dermot Desmond got involved in Rovers Kellerher Kelleher the Luke Homer in Galway um, you have Doherty in Derry City so on and so forth it, it doesn't seem to be yet though a case of like these lads are just buying success it seems to be fairly prudent managed um,
2: you're, well there's still good money going round mm. like, let's not be naive to the fact that there's good money going round and this is my point Like, if those clubs didn't have benefactors um, would they be sustainable? And, and in terms when, when of, really, like,
1: Sligo Rovers. Yeah, and that's this.
2: that's the challenge for like Bows and Sligo and, and and the clubs that sort of are reliant off member. You've seen Cork have gone from a fan run model to, let's say, a private ownership structure. And so this is this is my point. Like, we're obviously very we're scarred by in some ways by what happened previously. Yeah. A decade. Ago. But what we're naturally to get better, there comes a point where. You have to maybe pay a little bit more to players and, and you want to tie them down on longer contracts. We've got a minimum wages come in now, which is a hugely positive step. But obviously that increases the cost of clubs. You know, at 17, 18 year olds, you can't give them like 50 or 100 quid anymore and say, if you're good, you might get something better. You have to try and give them a standard. But you have to pay for that. So, like, I, I'm i quietly confident about things are going, but naturally um, we... we you know we can't get complacent on the basis of say one good year of crowds. You know, or eighteen months of good crowds. That um, what happens if if some of these clubs that have you know, have re- built up really good sort of fan base, but after two, three, four years, then they're not they're not winning anything, and you know grumbles start to creep in. Only <laughs> yeah. the, the, way that, the way the way you know football in Europe is set up is that in a lot of the smaller leagues, you know, one team can dominate, or maybe two teams, one two teams can dominate, and it's a bit like the clubs in the football league. In England, like a lot of the reason what is the herring money is that they're chasing the Premier League cash. Clubs in the Championship are, are, and is the danger here that we have a couple of clubs that are trying to catch Shamrock Rovers, say, or Derry. Um, but they don't necessarily have the strength of backing maybe and they over—they completely overstretch and they crash Every chance and, and that's the, the slight fear you have but as I said like we will obviously be very hard on ourselves with clubs like run big losses and stuff like that but you're almost trying to compete with a, a neighbouring island where there's almost like all bets are off it doesn't matter and that's the problem
1: the neighbouring island I, I still find the whole Brexit thing like so compelling why did this uh, happen in the first place and a lot of um, I'm sure a lot of people People who go to watch football every Saturday um, in a lot of working class areas they voted for Brexit probably didn't think about the fact that um, you know there's going to be uh, a ban on Irish players going over from uh, the age of 18 and like, what have the repercussions been for you over there?
4: Uh, I mean I didn't really think I was going to come on here and talk
1: about <laughs> Brexit In terms of the football <laughs> landscape it is weird, it's, it's changed the dynamic between Ireland and, and England in terms of these kids aren't going over to England anymore
4: yeah i mean listen they, they obviously they they can um it's not it's not that they're not it's just it makes it a little bit difficult um there's more there's more paperwork and stuff that needs to be done but i think it's i think it's definitely still the uh the best opportunity for them to to progress in their careers and make sure that they they're seen by a, a
1: wider audience but then i would say at what age though? Pardon? Like, is, is it better for the players now to go over at 18 and maybe develop it in the League of Ireland or to, you know, what's your experience of, say, the under 23s and players that are kind of, um, yeah, at least so in the this, League of this, Ireland, you can get your experience early and get first Yeah, football. well, this this is what I was going to say was uh, actually now
4: working with uh, a couple of young players now, actually going back to the League of Ireland where there's opportunities to play against men because the chances of, of them coming over at 18 and playing in academy football actually doesn't really help too much anymore whereas it used to be a good grounding for them with ex you know experience of playing in or being away from home getting involved in in uh, day-to-day football and stuff like that and and being a, a professional now actually if you come over at 18 and then get loaned back to the league one and play in uh, in men's football that's actually a more beneficial uh, route for for players now than than it has been so there is a, there is things that the league of ireland now, now are a lot more going for it than possibly like you know 10 15 20 years ago when yeah you know, i guess when people like um you know Anthony stokes and people like that were, were flying over the uh, over to england
2: yeah i think the one thing we should strike and it goes back to our point i mean something that's happened in the last 10 days or so um like we mentioned johnny walters earlier in the show who was now been appointed the technical director of both Fleetwood Town and Waterford mm. here, which is just a slightly random appointment, but it talks to what it speaks to what um, Simon is talking about there. Like Man City obviously have the multi club model at a sort of a very you know a, a high level. Like they have the club in uh, the MLS, they have the club in Australia, and they have other partner clubs. What you're seeing is a, a lower level these partnerships as well, where you have Andy Pilly, the owner of Fleetwood, mm. who are, have a reasonably good reputation. Um, for establishing themselves as a solid football league club now pairing with Waterford um and I think they have a club somewhere else there's been other sort of consortiums of that nature looking at Ireland as well and it's one of the weird offshoots of Brexit that um you know this this is there is a sort of a window of opportunity there but just in a very unusual way like the, the, imagine like sort of 10-15 years ago floating the concept that you'd have like a you Know someone in a dual role now, it's with, with two you know, an English and an Irish club at the same time, um, so it's, it's a sort of a weird place we find ourselves in.
1: Own goals have been a team of the last 24 hours. James Ward, Prowse scored one, um, to give Fulham the lead, but then he actually scored uh, for Southampton, so that's one all. Um, before we get on to Ireland, I want to get Simon on this as well. Um, where are you in terms of standing in the League of Ireland
3: now, and where will we be in 10 years' time? Um, hopefully in a in a better place I I, I, I I do agree with' something that Dan said there I think you said you're afraid to to, to kind of get too carried away with the with the positivity that's gone at the moment I think that's important I think we have to constantly check where we're at at the moment and um need to look at what's uh, I think we, we we need to be ambitious Johnny and you mentioned 10 years I think we need to be looking at a s- situation that we have a goal in 10 years time that we're at a certain you know, we're at, we're we're in a certain position, whereby on the football pitch, maybe we have a, a, a team regularly uh, playing in the group stages of the Conference League. I think that's very achievable. Um, from a infrastructural point of view, that stadiums are hitting a certain criteria in terms of um, capacity um, and quality, or like I do think that needs state intervention. This, this is a
1: major problem though, because yeah, the it, cost of building. Anything in Ireland now is so abs- utterly absurd. So, 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 where, so where is yeah, this going to come from? So,
3: it has to be, it has, has, there has to be a subsidy model, model. Right. There, you know, there has to be tax breaks for. You know, construction companies. To, to you know, we need. We I think we need to. Also,
1: surely the government well, should do more, right? Of course, they should, yeah. yeah. Well, they're but they're looking but for. But they are are looking we for are,
3: quite are we lobbying them enough? No, we're not. You I, know. D- I
1: don't think we've had friends in, in League of Ireland. No, we haven't. In, we in haven't. Government. I don't think we have. Yeah. The League of Ireland wasn't really cool anyway. But I don't think Irish football necessarily had friends. That you know, like certain sports so, certainly had friends. So in the what's Dáil. happening
3: at the moment is there's a there's a you know, football is on the crest of a wave at the moment, right? Um, and I would say primarily because of the women's yeah. football. We have to get on it. We have to get it. we have to look at, you know, uh, use both dynamics and say what can you do for us? The government, you know, the, the government have to get on board here now and they have to look at the the wider model. You know, we have the, the women's game is going to it is exploding. It's going to get even bigger, you know, because we've got a World Cup coming up in 6 months time and uh, we have to make sure that we're leveraging everything we have um to try and progress the game um, the, the, unfortunately the FAI are still in, in a little bit of you know they're 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 still trying to um come away from the chaos that was that was there and they're getting the they are getting their house in order but the clubs the clubs as, as well I think they need to get together I think they need to be lobbying the government really really hard um, and I do think that um I think that's the model. That's the only. It's the only show in town, Johnny. To be quite honest.
1: Yeah, the the. I mean, the success of the women's team this year um, was, I think, lifted the nation in many respects. But you do counter that down uh, by the the FEI's inability, as so far, to get a sponsor for the men's team. And what what does Jonathan Hill? Uh, what what do he and the lads? What's their outlook in twenty twenty three?
2: Their outlook. Um, well, I mean, like. A, on one hand obviously they 've inherited a very difficult situation i mean they're they 're dealing with an association that's dealing with what sort of sixty seventy million of of debt ultimately and they 're trying to I know there's been various sort of uh, ways to chip away at that and restructuring and you know there was a bailout a couple of years back and and um i the in terms of the 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 men 's team sponsor and all of that sort of issue i mean certainly there was a the, the sense would have been a couple of years back that, that they might have Maybe people going in there might have felt that they weren't getting enough for this deal previously. That's you know, interesting. Relative yeah. to relative to maybe what other sports were getting from their sort of title sponsor, and and maybe you know did they have a sort of an ambitious target for what they could get, um, and they haven't been able to sort of reach that. Like they, I do believe they could have a, a sponsor by now if they'd wanted one, but it would be at a very very low price. Relative, you know what I mean? So. There's a question of can they get a sponsor or they just can't get one to pay, you know, the market rate. And there's possibly two separate um, debates. And then have they had to lower their market rate? Um, is it are they now looking at a lucrative kit deal that might offset potentially um, what they were looking for previously from the men's team sponsor? And that's listen. That's to a lot of people might just listen to this and sort of tune out as like, what's this all about? I mean, well. the, the, bro- the broader outlook is that naturally. Um, as much as you say that, that this shouldn't be part of your business plan for a football organisation um, oh. as, as Everton Speaking just sort oh, oh, oh. an absolutely stunning, oh stunning goal Oh my God uh, um,
1: Everton have equalised at Man City um, Is it De Gray I think? Um, is it? And uh, So this is 64 minutes Yeah eh? um, An absolute screamer of a goal Everton wearing uh, pink jerseys away from home and have effectively they've been fairly they, obviously, your goal behind you're always in the game. But they've been fairly under the cash, um, and this is an absolute stunner of a goal, Suey. Yeah, it looks like what, 25 out, was twenty five yards. That was yeah. Can't, top corner. Look at the it, it, now. City actually give the ball away. I think it's Rodri made with a sloppy pass. Gray picks it up in his own half, and. It, just Simon on this, this is interesting because I don't think any of us expected Arsenal to be in the ascendancy such that they are gone into 2023. And we'll talk about Ireland after the break, but um it's been a hell of an interesting title race that we weren't expecting.
4: Yeah, I mean, listen, I think Arteta's done unbelievable. I think he's turned it he's turned Arsenal into a into a well-oiled machine. I think he's got rid of the people that he didn't want who didn't sort of adhere to his uh his rules and regulations and and he's brought people in who will and they've spent they have spent some some decent money um and he's and he's got people playing at a top level of the game which is uh which is credit to him i'm not sure they'll have enough to to get over the line this year but they'll definitely be in the mix for, for the top 4 uh, definitely
1: time to go to the final ad break of the show in 2022 getting a bit emotional here but um, let's get emotional about Ireland if that's possible after the break Uh, what are your hopes sporting wise Uh, do get in touch with us we'll ask the lads um, what are they looking players even they're looking forward to uh, in 2023 and uh, yeah France France are going to be playing Ireland that's going to be interesting let's have the ads yeah, welcome back. Dan points out that I interrupted him there. Uh, he was going to make a very good point. What was it, Dan? I don't think it was a fairly good point. It was actually more of an obvious point. Briefly now. Uh, yeah,
2: uh, no. What's the FEI's outlook? Well, the, the, the problem is they still need to qualify for tournaments and you need to get away from the cycle of uh, like uh, you know a football organisation that's almost like a football club where you, like, you need to, to finish in the top four or something to to make the world go round. Like, you know, you need to just generate that income. And like with Stephen Kenny and the situation that he was in, and I certainly would have had a broad understanding that to, you know to try and change things, you had to understand that the World Cup in Qatar probably wasn't going to happen. Like you needed to sort of accept that you have to sort of write a campaign off a little bit, as much as you never want to talk in those terms. But obviously, the payoff for that was that when it came to the Euros in twenty twenty four, like a twenty four team Euros, um, having missed Euro twenty twenty, um, like there's good money on offer for that. Yeah. And there comes a point where you know the FAI, for their situation, they need that. The injection that that can bring, that sort of 10, 12 million quid, and the opportunities that that's spin around it. Because, as Sherry rightly mentions, like the Women's World Cup is going to be one of the big football events of twenty twenty three, and there's great potential to do stuff around that. Um, and like in this country here, I mean. The, the roots of our downfall really are you know when we qualified for what three World Cups in the space of, of four uh, renewals what came over? um what come ever pretty much nothing you look at the you look at the newspapers and the, the, the discussion points of the era and it was more you know who can we try and recruit to play for Ireland or who's our next manager going to be rather than Really sustained talks about infrastructure and leaving a legacy because everyone was just caught up in the moment. And that's what you can't do with the women's game here.
1: And the re- the reason I interrupted Dan was we ha- we had a goal um, and we got that shortly. This-, this all means at the moment that Arsenal go to Brighton, the live table. If Arsenal happen to beat Brighton in the 5:30 game, they will have 43 points from 16. And at the moment, as things stand, that would put them seven ahead of Man City if things don't change at the Etihad because we did have a goal.
2: City 1 Everton 1 and City had just been easing off playing in second gear and they paid the penalty as Demari Gray collected the ball on the halfway line dribbled to the left side of the area got the ball on his right foot and then curled a stunning shot into the top right hand corner past a stranded Edison it's now City 1 Everton 1
1: yeah, uh, Pete, the producer, uh, just pointed out that, that that came out of left field. But uh, the other piece, Peter Smith, that was Peter Smith. And uh, Pete, you're doing a sterling job producing. Um, my point now is that uh, Seamus Coleman has come on for Everton, which brings us to Ireland. Um, Simon, I don't know where I don't know where we're at in 2023. Some of the players that have been so promising, the likes of Adamida, who scored last night, uh, Nathan Collins. Um, I suppose he's had a, a, an up and down season for Wolves. What's the standard of play? Are we getting any better? Um I don't know the answer to any of these questions. Where are you on it?
4: Um I think we've stood still a little bit, I'll really? be honest. Yeah, I think uh I massive for Stephen Kay. I think uh I think he it was a real, real tough job to come into, um, to try and change the style of play, to try and change, you know, bring the youth uh into the into the senior team and 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 try and win games of football um and obviously it took a long time to do that when he got appointed and, and he was given his contract i thought that was the that was the right thing to do because it gave um it gave people an opportunity to know who their manager was going to be the style of play they were going to be playing and he was then able to go out and recruit the, the best players uh that he felt was going to be for his style of play um just feel like we lack that that cutting edge, that that goal threat. I think we the lads at the back, I think we look we look pretty solid. Uh we're sound enough. Um I think goalkeepers we look we look very good. Uh we've got two possibly three really solid goalkeepers. Um anyone who could who, who could play um defensively I don't you know John Egan is is gonna be um captain marvel is going he's going to be there for for a while I, I believe um and then i just feel like we're a little bit lacklustre going forward um you know we don't really have that guile that somebody's going to be able to unlock doors and that's uh that's a, an issue when especially come up against like the the big teams and the big countries that they uh, they have majority of possession which is which is you know that that normally happens but then when you get those opportunities you need to be able to go one counter attack and two somebody needs to be able to find that pass and uh, and I just feel that we've got the pace Uh, I feel like we've got the pace Shadozi's got you know electrifying pace Uh, Michael Obafemi when he you know when he gets going he's, he's not bad um Callum Robinson's got a little bit of guile, but you know, I just I just feel like we need that little bit of you know that Wes Hoolahan magic. Uh,
1: if we can find somebody who has that, then uh, then I think we'll be fine. Well, that's the problem, Sue. Your your old teammate Wes Hoolahan, and I think um, this is the point. Simon says we've stu- we, we 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 you know we're standing still or we've stood still. My issue is I'm not sure we ended the year in the sense that we're improving.
3: Yeah, I, 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 think I can, I, I'd agree with that. I think there is definitely a sense that we've we've stood still for a little bit, um, and I think I think everyone understood the early, um, you know, albeit it was a chaotic period with COVID and everything else going on. But everyone certainly there was big buy-in um, for the first um, couple of years of, of Stephen's tenure. Absolutely, I think everyone, under- even though the FEI never really kind of came out and said, "Look, we're trying to rebuild." It was actually Stephen who was doing most of that communication. Um, you've got to give him credit for that in, in fairness because um, I don't think I don't think he was being backed by the FAI at all um, I think it was just he um, he'd obviously been, been appointed by the previous um, gobshite and then um, <laughs> he, he Stephen <laughs> Uh, you'd have to feel, give him credit because I think he certainly felt like he, he wasn't probably um, getting the backing from the association that he probably should have deserved. Um, but he ultimately came out and says, I'm going to rebuild. We need to, we need to um, yeah, um, put more reliance on youth. We need to change the way we're playing football. And everyone, there was buy-in. Absolutely, there was buy-in. Um, and that period has now moved into a different dynamic in that you know people, um, rightly so, want to see the results of it. Um, and I think it was they coming
4: expect a little bit more now
3: expect a little bit yeah. more yeah I think that's good Expectations uh, that, good the, you manager, expectation.
2: the manager has
1: built up that expectation I think, the, he I is, I think
2: there's two points of the year like I mean you, think of it after the friendlies in March after the game uh, and I'm talking about 2022 I'm trying to look back like here the, here. The, game, the, draws with, the draw with Belgium like that was very positive like, yeah. there's a sense okay corners been turned maybe here everyone bought into that okay it was a friendly against Lithuania Parrots scored a late goal but you know it was fine Um People went to Armenia in the summer thinking, okay, this is it now. We've had, you've had your period on the stabilizers here and, and let's go. And that was a real setback. Yeah. But still, by the end of that window, they turned things around. Like Nathan Collins with, with a solo run or possibly should have beaten Ukraine away. And like, there's little moments across the year that you think, and this is, this is the slight concern for me, that in some cases, performances have been absolutely fine, but not turning enough of them into wins was the reason Ireland ended up as third seed in this group with France and Holland, like this is the, the real issue looking into next year, if Ireland were heading into a group with, I don't know, like I think Michael O'Neill and Northern Ireland, in, like maybe Denmark and Finland or someone like that, yes, we would probably still have concerns, but you'd be looking to head to 2023, probably still thinking, okay, we have these games here, can we do it, you know, can Ireland produce, they beat Scotland at home, okay, played well against Ukraine away, okay, can that be done? But you're looking to try and do that against France and Holland now, and like, that's the, the terrifying aspect of it. But anyway, just to finish my point, that the end of June things were actually, bizarrely they managed to come out of that window on a positive, despite it starting so badly, so terribly. Then you go to Scotland, half-time against, like a half-time in Scotland, if you ask people what you're thinking about where this team is going, I think Sky's people would have been, been buzzing. Mm. You know, there was that sense of, okay, uh, here we go, Ireland lose that game. Like t- two days later, or three days later, they're cruising against Armenia and then have that crazy 15 minutes. And that has really affected, I think, a lot of like the public confidence that okay. was possibly building up. Like, if you pause the year at halftime in Scotland, people are like, okay, okay, this is going somewhere. But what's happened subsequently, and then you had a pretty underwhelming November. And it shows how quickly things can turn. Like, you know, you have a small number of games in your international window. And within this sort of window of like six games, you had two bad Armenia home to Ukraine, brilliant day home to Scotland, very good performance away in Poland against Ukraine. Scotland is going well, but then you almost end that September going oh no, we're going nowhere. And this is the, the fear is that there's been a lot of good performances, but there comes a point where you just need to turn one of them into like that, that, that back-to-back big result. And people possibly just don't trust that that can be delivered across the year. Now, I think it can change just as quickly, by the way, going the other direction. Like, France are going to come into town in March. Like, the, the stadium will be absolutely heaving five minutes before that game starts. Everything that went before will sort of be forgotten. And that's going to be sort of right. Like, this is what it's, it's all about here. And you're hoping for, you know, that miracle, but I think the belief in that miracle has probably been dented a bit by the way the year tailed away.
1: Can I can I just ask you, Simon? This is this is one of the things that uh, I I think as a former player, you you you'd have a more of an insight into how much has the upheaval in terms of the coaching staff. Um, how much would should that or is that a should that be or is that a problem?
4: Uh, no, it shouldn't be. Right, it shouldn't be. Um, no excuse. Okay. No, no no no. None at all. Not not from not from my point of view, not from like uh, being a player in that
3: dressing room, I wouldn't have thought so. No, it shouldn't be. Suey so like uh, so how many managers would you have dealt with in, in the RSL? sorry Johnny. Just um, cuz I'm trying to tap into the 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 dynamic of the manager and um, uh, being so being what? used to club football and then only having such a short amount of time with these international players.
4: Yeah, listen, it's tough. It's tough because obviously, listen, I, I came in under Traptoni, and and um, it was the the football that we were playing at the time wasn't really like we we would never come in and do tactical work. We would come in and play sort of five a side and and possession stuff, and then have a couple of little games and stuff. And that was that was basically it. Was you it know? primitive? It was. It was just one of those that like where we were as. As a country, we had the, the the players that were able to to come in and and do the job that we needed to do. Um, there wasn't a there was a hierarchy of the of the playing side, which was which was right, um, and and we got on with it. It wasn't uh, there wasn't anybody who sort of misbehaved or did anything wrong or anything else like that. So just got on with it.
2: Because I'm thinking, Simon, when you come in. It was a couple of years into Trap's reign, right? So Trap, and there was sort of that very established way that the team played that didn't necessarily change, right? Like, I mean, you might have actually you playing once or twice uh, ahead of Kevin Doyle was a little little tweak, but it was effectively an established system, right? That was sort of in place. Yeah, yeah,
4: it was. He had his way. He had his his personnel who he who he liked, who he trusted, and. Um, Barring one or two, uh, whether it was induced suspension or just a, a small tweak, it didn't really change, and that was probably more due to the fact that the the players that were playing were were the ones that he trusted.
1: And I I think Stewie with, with Stephen in terms of, um, you know, the the results have been obviously mixed, uh, and you know are trying to change the style, um, but at the same time. The challenge facing us in 2023 There's no way to dress it up It's 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 just looking It, it almost looks a bit ominous That's
3: huge yeah I mean I, I, I was only just thinking there um, While you guys were, were, were chatting And I was kind of looking at the games coming up And um, I know this sounds very extreme But I'm beginning to wonder now should Should we actually use this period to, to, to bring no, in the kids no no no
2: no, God no, no. The, the, God but no. being there done that and that's yeah. not going to no, happen, we've already, gonna happen. I,
1: I don't mind missing this World Cup I think if we were at this World Cup we would have been more of a Wales than a Ukraine or whatever but I didn't mind missing this World Cup but no the, the time is now then yeah well, it is and, and, that's but, not to say we can do it the, but the time is now
2: no, 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 Stephen, and this won't happen and this is the thing the irony was that Stephen Kenny haven't done so much probably experimentation and at times would have got some grief from people um, for say pick and try parrot, maybe the feeling was this too early, or Adam Ede, you know, and a couple of others. Like in November, he decided not to play Will Smallbone and not to play, uh, well, he, Evan Ferguson did get on actually twice, but now it was like, oh, why isn't he experimenting? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you know, that's because the decision has been made. It's like, no, he's had his time doing that, and now it's almost like he's established his sort of squad now and this is it, this is what's going to take him through the year. His whole year, Ireland's whole year, is going to be defined by Greece in June. That's just the way it's going to be. Uh, Yeah, against France in March, in Dublin, um, unless you have like an absolute hiding, I think there's a general understanding you're playing a team that's nearly just won the World Cup. Um, They're coming to town, and I think it's the type of game where you'd almost expect Ireland to produce a performance, and even if Ireland were to lose that game, I think there'd be a broad degree of understanding. Ireland go in the June window and they have two games, they play Greece away and Gibraltar at home. And if they're going to do anything in the group, like they, have, they need to win all the games against everyone else, aside from the two top teams. And this is the thing, like Greece away in June is what, maybe two and a half years, three, over three years actually since he's been appointed, but like two and a half years of, of games. And they've had a lot of games like that, like Greece, where they've played reasonably well but they need to turn one of them into a win. Now that it gives you the belief that even that even if this year ends with Ireland finishing third in their group, that if they happen to get the, the favourable results elsewhere to get a Nations League uh, related playoff, that you believe that they could actually do it. Like you, you lay it down, it looks pretty ominous. It does funny structure to the group. Ireland play France twice before they play Holland, mm. um, and looking at the World Cup, you. you you'd you'd sort of hope that maybe in a way that like France sort of pull away and that maybe the Dutch would be the one you think you might be able to get at in some way. But Ireland don't play them until later in the year. So sort of ideally need France to be beating Holland in the meantime and then hope that Ireland can beat Greece in June. Because I think if Ireland don't, if Ireland struggle away in Greece in June after a good long prep for that game, which they will have, I know they're definitely going to have a good long prep before it, training camps and stuff. Then I think you'll find that people will start to go. Where where are we really and, going and, and here? To, and that's, that, that's the key game. Ireland win that game. They're, they're they're probably going to be very like you go into September where you play France and Holland. That will be a big win though, and it, it, the whole mood of the year will be changed. And that's,
1: a, that's the there. one thing. Um, sorry, Stewie. I think that um, you know, apart from that, um, that kind of those moments of madness against Armenia, where I, I remember there were like some. Little bit of boon in in Lansdowne that day because I mean you're just blowing a two goal lead. In general, I think the support for this team and in, in terms of where he's trying to bring it, and there's nothing to do with whether you're a League of Ireland person or not, has been overwhelming.
3: Yeah, the the, the I, I look at the you 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 bring up the 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 the, the chaos of, of the Armenian game. I kind of look at that as being an on pitch problem. Um, right. And however, I don't I think Steve, Stephen's management style may have played a, a, a role in that. I think, and this is only from looking from the outside in, I think he's focused so much on getting us playing a certain way. We've sort of t- taken our eye off the ball a little think bit. And we've Hull lost a little that. bit of metal that we, that we used to have. You know, that sort of, I hate saying that Irish spirit and never give up sort of stuff. And, but ultimately it comes down to just being on the pitch assessing the situation, we're tuning up here, we're comfortable. When you look at the Armenian goals, they just tore right down the middle of us. Like, you know, that can't happen again. Um if you look if you if you want to strategize, let's say, the first two games the fact that we're playing France at home the first game could be a very positive thing. Absolutely. They, they, they won't be, they mightn't be firing in all cylinders. And Stephen there will could be play that They'd have played
2: Holland at home three days earlier. Yeah.
3: And, and it's yeah. at a stage of the season where you, you definitely could have injuries, whatever the case may be. So you're looking at the first two games, can we get four points from it? I mean... I don't think that's beyond the 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 realms of of uh, the, a possibility. The, the
1: one thing, Simon, I I have to say personally, I I I was I lost interest to a large extent in the Irish team because I was sick watching the way we were playing. And I I I always enjoy Ireland games now, where I see at least I look forward to them and I see what they're trying to do. And I think that does mean something. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's 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 what it's all about. It's uh, it's seeing your team
4: or your country moving in the right direction. Yeah. The last thing you want is to be going there and watching a load of dross and going, oh, this is, this is rubbish. Do you know what I mean? I, would, I don't want to watch this anymore. Um, so with the campaign coming up, with the... I, I think me personally, if I was Steven, I'd be looking at the France games and going, right, we'll get them out of the way. Then we can start attacking this group um, because you'd like to think France will probably win, win the group with nine on maximum points. Um, and then it will come down to everybody else beating everybody else and taking points off everyone else so you look at the the Greece Greece games and then you look at uh, um, the Dutch games they're the two nations we look at and go right we need to nick points off of them and then we need to beat everybody else and and it just needs to be momentum is massive momentum is going to be massive you get the, the the two France games out of the way, and then it's in at about attack mode. For, and that's the yeah, way I, I would look at it.
1: I am. I, um, hopefully, we'll get time to uh, give you the full times before the end. Uh, it's been fairly fascinating here so we've uh, one minute and change of normal time left at the Etihad Stadium and Everton are one all against Man City and this uh, I mean regardless of what you say if, if this were to stay like it is and Arson continue their form um, it's going to be fascinating going into 2023 um, before we get our, our sort of hopes and uh, aspirations for 2023 um, Dan like what are you looking forward to? I suppose in in, a, in the in the League of Ireland sense, we've Shamrock Rovers been the dominant force. Do we see from Derry City in the cup final that um, the 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 narrative might change? Uh, where are Dundalk going? And uh, you know, I guess are, are Pats getting any closer? Or is it is it just a Shamrock Rovers league next season?
2: Yeah, it's a lot of lot of uh, a lot of points to deal with there. I mean robbers are going for four in a row, which is mm. like, you know, this is the the, the the famous four in a row chant and they can they can do it this year. Um I'd like a like a prolonged title race. I think Derry will probably provide that. Um because you know, you want all your clubs to do well in Europe, that's the same aim every year. I think I think there was a sense last year that a lot of the Chase and Pack are getting better, um as in, you know, Derry were better than the year before, than Doc were better than the year before. Pats maybe not, but towards the end of the season they were they were getting back there. I felt you know and did a very good run towards the end. So you just hope that they can push on. But but obviously like you know cl- you know some good players have left clubs or will continue to leave clubs. Maybe more so in the summer again than the start of the season, and that obviously affects you. So I just hope we have a better base level standard in the league that does more competitive games week on week and not sort of um you know strolling the park games and um, that. You know that, that sort of prepare our sides for Europe, but that's the same aspiration. I want, I want progress in facilities. I want news by the end of the year. There's stuff like a stadium, the facilities audit that they've been talking about. The FBI, and I'm not sure where it stands now. I was away during the AGM, so I don't want to misrepresent what was said. But it does seem like some of this stuff is taking. You know, it's, it's obviously hard to do. Eleven minutes uh, of 11, injury I, time. I was just so. going to say I was nostalgic for <laughs> <have> the, the, <laughs> the World Cup <of> injury time <laughs> because because I would say like there's obviously been a couple of stoppages, but like City, this is actually. Really high-level football, a team, a top team under under the cash, and it's a bit manic. There but were, um, I just, I mean, I, that's, but that's the same stuff we want every year: a stronger league and better facilities. I could probably yeah, say in ten years' time.
1: There, wa- there was a goal, um, uh, as I mentioned at uh, Craven Cottage. We have Nigel Bidmead here.
4: Fulham 2 Southampton 1 the home side taking the lead with just a couple of minutes of normal time to play it was a corner on the left hand side swung in Kenny Tetti on the near post got a flick on and Palina on the far post nodded in his third goal of the season it's Fulham 2 Southampton 1
1: yeah in the old days of 5 Live I'd be you know staying in my my dad's Jeep waiting for the final scores Um, we're not going to be able to give you the final score in Man City Everton as you're just going to have to check your phone like everyone else does nowadays
2: Maybe sick, with you're talking get on the sports news. Yeah, I? <laughs> I mean, just
1: I just listen to news talk all the time, yeah. um, Stewie. Your hopes uh, for the League of Ireland in 2023? Yeah, and pretty much
3: the same as what Dan said. Mm-hmm. To be quite honest with you, um, I, I I do think the league isn't competitive enough. That
1: it's it's not. And and J D asked me the last times on what was your favourite game that you went to or whatever of. Um 2022 and I was like I I just looked at the games been at in League of Ireland and I was like not that many memorable games at all
3: and this is the worry for me this is is the part which is going to um, um, this will it'll seriously affect uh, you know crowds coming to games if the games aren't competitive and people Mm -hmm. will stop coming you know so we have to kind of you know that that has to be a big focus for the reality I know this might sound you know completely bizarre but you know in my opinion any one of four teams can win this league I, I, I yeah. genuinely believe that I've played in it And I've watched the games And I, I just don't think There's enough belief From some of the lower teams That they can I, I, I sort of thought
1: that But then you go to Tala And you see um, Rovers just turn it on Against Dundalk And Pats and you're But like, I've, seen th- th-
3: I've seen teams Go to Tala and roll over uh, Yeah Sorry you I'd
1: have to give a, I, I, I'd have to give a lot of Respect to Rovers For the way they've managed that And also with How busy their European schedule Rovers was Rovers are
3: in tour gear this year
1: Yeah And, and unfortunately yeah, and for, like, I think in That's Europe, not their fault I think in Europe As much as they got to the group stages They can do better What are your hopes and dreams uh, For uh, 2023 Simon And uh, what will you be up to On the football scene Pace (laughs) Pace Uh, That ship has sailed Yeah Uh, Slowly I I don't know uh,
4: 2023 I think it's just going to be I had a I had my second child
1: uh, Only a few weeks back So
3: Congratulations Congratulations
4: Thank you uh, Little boy So
1: You obviously didn't have it yourself Now, I mean You've got to give the women ah. Some sort of You know (laughs)
4: Yeah. I was here for this one so that was, that was a benefit for me. Um, yeah no so obviously spending time with them and uh, oh, listen obviously keep applying for the roles and um, trying to keep busy do as much of uh,
1: staying around football as, as possible it's just uh, it's, it's just tough to get in are you going to be one of these like uh, you know kind of aging dads down the lines like oh, I tell you if I, if I had pace son if I had pace <laughs> yeah yeah we watch me download. I'll be. I'll be the
4: next generation of. I had an injury. I would have made it if I didn't get <laughs> any injury. Uh, yeah.
1: It's been great having you on, Simon. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much a wrap for today. Um, just like to uh, thank everyone who listened, uh, and thanks to JD um, for uh, you know the year that we've had. JD, of course, normally brings Dan and I uh, out for uh, um, a lovely meal towards the end of the year. But Dan, being the uh, um, I guess the the, the, the good. Husband and dad's uh, basically, he, he said this year. Well, I've been in Qatar for what was it a month? Then
2: uh, something like that. Yeah, I I, I just can't do. I, um, yeah, I
1: can't do this. And he was away for a month, so fortunately that was the end of that. But uh, JD, we uh, we we'll, we'll hold you to that. Hopefully in the new year. With regard to tomorrow, and there's still what <laughs> seven, seven minutes. minutes? Just the seven minutes of injury time of yeah. the eleven left. It is still one all uh, between Man City and Everton. And uh, Foden, who's a sub, we're just. Uh, Wait for this corner. Pop Fo- in a corner kick here, corner yeah.
2: Kick. To- there was an absolutely brilliant scramble around five minutes ago with like, bodies everywhere. Uh, Ever- scuffed shots. And Everton, for a Ever- team who looked a bit of brittle a week ago or so, suddenly been a bit sturdy here
1: uh, Everton's still uh, holding on tomorrow um, live commentary of Tottenham v Aston Villa with Stephen Doyle and uh, Brian Kerr at 2pm live commentary of Nottingham Forest v Chelsea with Nathan Murphy and Keith Tracy at 4.30pm and a sneak preview uh, at the OTB AM crew's Christmas ball predictions for uh, rugby Gaelic football and hurling in 2023, 2023 all ahead thanks a million lads
2: no
3: problems, Danny. Happy
1: New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you all. Um, that was Football Saturday. Um, I hope you enjoy uh, bringing an end to uh, the year. And if you're an Everton uh, fan, you've got a few minutes left of horror here trying to hold out for a one-all draw at City. The Koigig Gig pod. Well, we're too quick to drop off 3v1. That's been a problem. That we actually stopped against Scotland because Niamh Fahey stepped in to stop Caroline Weir.
0: Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now.